Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Good morning, Freedom Church. How are you? Everybody good? All right. Let's give God praise that we get to be in His house today. So, last week we kicked off a new series called Don't Blink, because if you do, you're going to miss out on some things, especially when it comes to raising your children. And when you think about raising your children, a lot of times people think, well, I'm done with that, you know, I'm not into that, or whatever, but really what I'm talking about through this is healthy relationships. So this affects everyone. So if you're a person that you're a, you're a single parent, we're, we're talking about that, we're talking about empty nesters, talking about how you can have an impact on those in your life. If you don't have, you're single and and you're not doing anything, you can prepare for things that can be healthy for you in your relationships. Some of you may be boomerang parents, your kids have come back, and then maybe you are grandparents or your brand new parents, or one day you're thinking about being parents. This is going to be a help to you and your relationships. Today, we're talking about what about us? How do you balance family? How do you balance marriage? How do you balance kids? Because it's really, really, really important. I start off by this. When Shannon and I met after a whirlwind romance, she and I got married on Saturday, September 16th, 1989. Uh, Just about two years later, our oldest daughter, Lily, come about on August 11th of 1991. Then about three years later, uh, we had India, our middle daughter, to come along. She was due on January 9th. And then she all of a sudden came on December 30th, tax baby, can I get a witness, okay? (laughs) Then we had our third daughter come about, Chloe, she came about almost three years later. And the thing about it is, whenever you have mom and you have dad and you have two kids, you got two cars, You got one parent can do one for the other and one for the other one is just two. But when you get three, things can really get out of whack. And I remember distinctively, Shanda, we were talking about how busy we were with our kids and trying to take care of our marriage and our family and all that kind of stuff. And so Shanda, she, I told her, I said, well, don't worry about anything. We won't have another one until you're ready to have another. I said, matter of fact, I'm going to watch your cycle, the 28-day deal, and I'll let you know when we need to have a kid. And boom, first month I messed it up. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Here comes Chloe. And poor Shanda, she was tired. I was tired. We were busy. We were doing a lot of things during that time. And, and man, so you do the math. You got two parents. You got three kids. If you're not careful, it will become very taxing on you. It can get out of balance. And I see this in America today. Spouses are running wide open. And it seems like they don't even have time for each other. Here's what's happening in our nation today. Marriages and families are fractured or bruised or out of balance, seemingly like they don't even know each other anymore, and it's really sad. And we live in a day that couples, especially when it comes to church, to where couples come to church and they put on the game face that everything is okay, and when you do that, really the joke's on you. We also live in a day to where that couples, instead of being married by the justice of peace, it seems that they have been married by the secretary of war. And it's very sad. 
So it's like the lady said, she said, I was looking for the ideal. It became an ordeal. And now I'm looking for a new deal. <laughs> so why is there so much collateral damage? Why are there so many marriages suffering? Why is there so many families suffering? The sad part of it is, is that now statistically, divorce is higher in the church than it is in secular society. So when you have a mom and a dad who doesn't want to be husband and wife any longer, and you have little ones in the mix, the little ones at that point are trying to make sense out of dad's new world and out of mom's new world. So, today I want us to move forward and think about what it was, how do we balance out the marriage with that, and to understand that, we have to go back to the marriage relationship, the genesis of the relationship with the mom and dad. So I've asked Derek and Ashley to help me, so if they want to come up, they're going to help me with this. Right now, you guys make them welcome, okay? Now, what I need for you guys to do is just stand right there beside each other, and we're going to make this thing really nice. If you'll put that on there, and you'll put this on right here, we're going to have a wonderful time right here. Dun, dun, da, da. Dun, dun, da, da. There we go. Don't they look nice? We got a debonair groom and a beautiful bride. You guys give them a hand. So, whenever they get married, we know from marriage that the bride, she's thinking, wow, this is nice. There's Rome. Love is in the air. And she's got this going on. She's thinking on a deeper range, romance and all this stuff. But then there is the groom. What is he thinking about? He's thinking about, I've got my deal done. I've got my bride. I've married her. I got to provide for her. And so what does he do? He goes and really, he goes from one marriage to the next. He marries his career. Because that's what guys do. They go into the career and they start doing that. But also, what do a lot of brides do? A lot of brides, as a matter of fact, three out of five go into the marketplace as well. So when this happens, yes, everything is going fine with the marriage and it's still hot and it's still sizzling in what they're doing. However, they decide that they want to go into the next step, which is a precursor. They, before having children, they have a pet. What a lot of, how many of you here have a pet, right? But then one day, found chicka found now, the pregnancy test comes back, and they're about to have a child. Well, when they're going to have a child, they don't, all of a sudden, things become to be different. The home begins to be different. The child begins to be the one that's center stage. Everything is taken, matter of fact, as they are coming apart, they end up basically with kind of like the child splits up the home. They don't mean for it to, but mama's doing everything she can do to be center stage. And, and all of a sudden, her world is orbiting around the child. You follow what I'm saying? Guys, what do we do? We want to pick up hobbies. So what does the bride do? He picks up a little bit of golf, you know. So that's what he does. And so he just seems to get a little bit further away. 
the mama, she's over here. She's taking care of the kid. She's got a lot going on, too. She's going shopping. She's got shopping to do, and she just seems to get a little bit further away. Now, when you think about the child here, that kind of splits them up here. There's this marital drift that's going on. Is that the child's fault? Absolutely not. It's not the child's fault. They begin to maritally drift away from one another further, further apart because the child, in essence, is dividing and conquering. Now, once again, the child loves the number one spot. The baby's got to be fed. It's got to be burped. It's got to be clothed. It's got to be cuddled. And once the child, listen to me closely, once the child knows that they're the center of their parents' world, they're not going to give it up without a fight. That's not going to happen. And the thing about it is, when you look in today's world, whenever a child in a home becomes child-centered, that's why that a lot of kids, they're staying home till 20, 25, even 30 years old. Now, why is this? Because their kids have been so, they've been so centered on them. It's a sweet deal. The kids don't want to give it up. So the marriage that was once hot is not so hot any longer. If you're not careful, boredom slips in. Predictability slips in. Not to mention maybe an attractive co-worker or a handsome neighbor, and then you've got a lot of problems in the marriage. So for the man to be able to get to the woman... And for the woman to be able to get to the man, they got to crawl over a lot of stuff. They got to crawl over the crib, the kids, the career, the deals he's doing, the girls' night out. And when it comes to doing that kind of stuff, what's it going to take? What's it going to take to get the marriage to be top priority like it was when they came together? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. So, will you give this great couple a hand as they've illustrated this for us? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, so, so much. So, today, when you think about culture, culture really teaches us that it's all about the kids. That's what it says. And so, you kind of miss out on, on what you need to be doing. You got super moms. You got busy dads. And and you know, when you think about the ways of how the world does it and culture does it, our ways aren't working. The culture's ways are not working. So what about God's ways of having a great marriage and a great, great family? God knows his plans for marriage and family can change our, our, our very family itself. He knows that those families that are they're doing it God's way that make up the church, the church can make a difference. And the church can make a difference in the community. And the community makes a difference in our county. And the county makes a difference in our state. And our state makes a difference in our nation. And our nation can make a difference in the world. And then look what happened. It all started with that marriage. Doing it God's way. So it's really what I call the GPS. Now, how many of you use GPS? Raise your hand. Yes, yes, yes. A lot of guys won't do it. And they just, they just say, honey, do you know where you're going? No, but it sure does feel good. We're just driving because they lost. <laughs> I ain't got that much pride. I'm sorry. I'm going to use my GPS. But also, when you get to the position in your life that you're not too prideful to do things God's way, life gets better. It's called God's positioning system. So today, when we think about how to balance a family, that's what we're going to look at today in that. 
in God's positioning system. But here's what it says about God, and let's get his take. First and foremost, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Imitate God. Look at the person next to you and say, imitate God. Some of you act like somebody, but they ain't got nothing to do with God. Can I get a witness on that? You know what I'm saying? Okay? But it says imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, it didn't say some of the things. It said in everything you do, imitate God because you are his dear children. Then, let's look at what it would say about marriage. Ephesians 5 and 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church he gave up his life for her. Did you hear that, guys? Nowhere in Scripture you're going to find that, sh that your wife is to die for you, but in essence, you're to die for your wife, whatever that takes. That's a major deal there. Then children, it says Ephesians here in chapter 6 and verse 1, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. So the Bible is telling us in God's positioning system that the marriage is primary and parenting is secondary. That's what it's saying to us here. So some of you are thinking, you know, well, I don't know if I exactly got that right by that. It's God, your relationship with him. It's your relationship with each other in your marriage. And then it's your children. It's not to be kids first and then, and then marriage and then God's kind of on the back burner. And some of you may be thinking, man, I came the wrong day. It doesn't matter if you're single here or not, if you're single, this is the things that you take into a marriage. Follow me on this. If you're a student, especially, you'll be thinking about this if you decide to get in a relationship one day and get married because stats show that 90% of you will get married. So let's take a look at God's purpose of parenting that we peered into last week. Parents are to birth, raise, and replicate God's image in their children. Not your own, but God's image in your children for God's glory to advance his kingdom. That is the ultimate purpose of us having children. Now, to be able to put that into action, let's take a look at God's, that, that how God wants us to have our parental kingdom agenda. Let's take it down from having some kind of purpose to what we're going to do to making an agenda that's played out in our everyday lives. That's the parent's kingdom agenda. Parenting is teaching and training your children to leave your home, to leave your home. You want them to be their very best when they leave your house that you don't have to worry about them. You want them to be able to do everything you can teach and train them in God's ways that when they leave your house, they're depending on God and doing things God's way. Are you with me, church? That's what we do. So let's take a look at some scriptures here that plays out in action, in word and deed, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 from last week. We're going to look at it again. This is the teaching part. It says here, write these commandments I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you. Then it says, get them inside of your children. Okay? Talk about them wherever you go, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night what it is this is a teaching aspect of parenting from the time they rise till they go to bed at night every opportunity that you've got to be teaching God's way and God's will in their life helping them to not just be successful when they leave your home but they be significant in God's will and way that they're going to be a person that are living in God's image that they are bringing God's glory and they're advancing his kingdom that's our goal that is what we want to do but then Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says, 
direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. This is the training aspect. You are to direct your children onto the right path. That is the righteous path of God, doing everything you can give them that they want to live and fall in love with God. And if you don't teach them God's word in your family, if you don't pray with them and give them the word from the Lord of what they're to do to be able to get that into them, then Satan has a word for them. It's not going to be good results. But then when we look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So we've looked at the teaching aspect, the training aspect. Here's the leaving aspect. God gave marriage as a gift to Adam and Eve and to all of humanity. That is one man, one woman, one marriage, one lifetime. And so when we do this and you come one flesh, this is God's way of making it work. This is God's way of positioning. You want to do what you can do to be able to get your children taught and trained in God's way and God's will to leave your home. And when they go set up their home, if they decide to have children, it's the same way. They are doing what they can do to be able to birth and replicate God's image in their children, to be able to bring God's glory and to bring it, be able to advance God's kingdom. That's what we do. That's how God set this up. But I think a lot of times the sad part is in life, there are marriages that are together, but you're not really together. And that's sad. There's kind of two different mindsets. There's two different directions. There's double decisions, you know, and any time that you don't have one vision for your family, it's called division. It's divided. So how do we get back to the way God set it up in God's positioning system? How do we get back to that in order to understand how your family can be balanced and, man, you're going to win, and you're going to be passing along that which is going to make a huge difference. That's what we're going to talk about is balancing family. And the first and foremost, I want you to know, I don't come to you as this as an expert. I said last week, I'm not an expert when it comes as an expert husband. I'm not an expert father. Uh, my wife and I tell you, but, but we will be married 33 years next month. We've raised three daughters that are in ministry. We love them very much. And, you know, they had their times, and, you know, they kind of, like most teenagers, they had aliens that took their bodies over from 10 to 20, and then they kind of got back to it later. Uh, but then we have our ninth and 10th grandchild on the way. So what I'm, what I'm trying to do in my house, in God's positioning system, I'm trying to share with you what you can do in your house because it works. It really, really does. So the first thing when you think about balancing family is to understand that there's a refocusing of attention. And so what do you mean by that? A lot of times, tell me if I'm wrong, kids get 24-7, 365 attention. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? Man, all the attention goes on those children, and it's all about the children. It's undivided attention. And how can you and I keep our marriage as top priority when, in essence, we're telling our children that they're more important than our spouses? How does that work? See, you, if, you, if you let them know that they're more important than your spouse, it's a sad deal. You know, and I've, I've counseled and I've talked to people over the years and talked to, to families and I've talked to couples and I've counseled with couples and, and they would say, well, you know what, me and him's not doing so good right now and I just let them know my kids are number one to me. 
Where did you read that at? See, when your kids are number one to you, that means you took your eyes off the person you married that helped you have children, that you mated with and had children. You came together in love with them first, then you had the children second, then the second that you had the children, they become first place. You took your eyes off your wife or you took your eyes off your husband and the children become the center of your world. Then what happens? One day, those children are going to leave, and when they do, you look at each other, and you've been, you've, marital drift has come so far apart, you look at each other and say, who are you? You know, the major amount of divorces that happens today is age 45 to 55, because it's been so kid-centric for so long, and they didn't work on their marriage, and they didn't refocus the attention how it's supposed to be. That when they did leave, they didn't even know each other anymore. So you got to refocus your attention because there is an attention myth. And let me tell you this, too much attention to your children is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Second thing that I will tell you is this priority scheduling. You say, what do you mean? What do we do as parents? It seems that we go to our kids and say, hey, kids, let us know what your week looks like in your schedule, and we'll wrap our eye cow right around it. Isn't that kind of what happens today? Kids are so busy, they're into everything and they're doing everything. It's just not supposed to work that way. I'll tell you something that um, when it comes to our kids, all three of our girls were cheerleaders, and... Um, there was a situation where one of them came home at a particular time, and this was new to us. They come home and said, hey, Dad, uh, we got to take our vacation the second, third week of June. I said, what? I said, we got to take our vacation the second, third week of June because that's shutdown time. I said, what's shutdown time? That's when our squad shuts down and they tell all the families, you take your vacation during this time because if you're not there for practice and you're not hitting it hard, you don't get to cheer for the for the fall. I said, whoa. I said, wait a minute. I said, that's going just a little bit too far. Because in that particular season, I, we were not able to take our vacation in my particular situation at that moment. I was not going to be able to take a vacation with my family when the shutdown time came that they told me that we had to take our vacation or my kid didn't get to go with me on vacation. There's an old saying that we say in Tennessee, that dog doesn't hunt. But you know what we did after we prayed and we talked about it? They decided, you know what? <laughs> they did this. They said, bye, 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 cheerleading. I don't have to have your cheerleading. My daughter made her decision on that herself. Now, I'm not telling you that it, I know there's shutdowns with, with baseball, football. I know it all happens. You got to do what you got to do. But here's what I'm, I decided in my family. The priority schedule was my family's number one before anything else under God's heading. Number one. And there's not anybody or anything going to tell me that's going to get in the way of that because I knew I only had. I knew I only had a season that was going to come in flying. They're going to be in my home and it's going to fly out. And I knew I had a time to teach and to train my daughters to replicate God's image, to be able to 
advance his kingdom and bring God glory. And I, and I just, I had to take a stand on things. And that's something that you will have to do as well. So you got to make sure that you don't get all messed up in those things like that people want to do to you. You have to pray and make your decisions on that. you got to make sure you're refocusing the attention and, and doing that priority schedule. But this one right here is probably going to be a little weird to some of you. Systematic bedtime. Now, let me ask this question. How many of you here, just, just out of curiosity, how many of you here go to bed early? Raise your hand. Yes, a lot of you. I go to bed a lot of times. You know, I go to bed. You're going to think I'm weird. I go to bed 8, 8.30, you know, because I'm, I'm the dude that's going to be up at 4.30, 5.30. Usually my wife's up before me. That's just us. How many of you are night owls and you go to bed late? You go to bed late. Nothing wrong with that either. But here's the thing about it. When you have children, you're going to have to get in sync somehow, Okay. You're going to have to try to figure out a systematic bedtime. And that's something that my wife and I had to figure out based on our children in school and all that. And when our children didn't want to go to sleep, you know what we did? We drugged them. No, I'm just kidding. Not the drugs you're thinking about, Benadryl. I drug them out to the car and I stuck them in the car seat. Then I'd ride around for 30 minutes to an hour trying, looking back, see if they're asleep yet. Looking back, oh, finally, yes, they're asleep. Then I'd take them back and put them in their bed. You know, that's where we drove in the car seat, but you got you to decide based on how much time that you desire to connect with your spouse to catch up. Especially if you're a two-career household, man, you've got to figure that deal out because you're both busy. So you got to figure out what it is that the love and the attention brought you together, you're still practicing and giving the love and attention that keeps you together. Hope you understand that. Kids are really screaming for a schedule, whether you believe it or not. They're screaming for boundaries. Kids that are small, kids that are teenagers, teenagers for teenagers, it's going to be a battle with them, but you win because you're the ones to set it found some interesting stats. It says that 51% of kids 10 years old to 18 years old go to bed after 10 p.m. 60% of kids 7 to 12 years old, they feel tired throughout the day. And then 15% of kids are falling asleep at school. Well, that's comatose kids, man. They're just, they're not getting the boundaries a lot of times. They're not getting the schedule to where that you are systematic about the bedtime. Remember, you're investing in them. You're setting the course. You're helping them get on the right direction. It's your job. Children are yearning for those guidelines. They're yearning for those boundaries. So here's something else to balance. And the last thing I'll tell you in balance, date your mate. Do you date your spouse after you've gotten married? And you say, well, why should I? Your dates led up to you getting married your date should continue to stay. One of you got it. One. Your dates led up to you being married, so you keep dating to stay married. Yes, that's it right there. And, you know, and if you're not dating, why did you stop? Well, you know, the kids, oh, what we just talked about. It's important. Shannon and I, we date at least twice a month. We do day dates on our days off. We do day dates so we can be in bed at 8 o'clock at night. You know what I'm saying? 
But we do. I mean, we, we do those kind of things. We spend time together. And then the more so, even though we're empty nesters. But why date my mate? Well, it pays high dividends. It really does. You say, what do you mean? Uh, you date your spouse. If you spend 50 to 100 bucks, wherever you spend, a few thousand dollars a year to date at least twice a month, you know? If you're not careful, if you don't spend money on your spouse to love and adore them that caught their attention so they want to stay with you, the devil gets in the mix. You may be, end up spending money on somebody else that you're committing adultery with. We know that's not God's will. That's sin. You don't want that to happen. Very important to understand what I'm talking about here. You go and you pay a lawyer $300 an hour to split up your possessions. Those of you that's went through the atrocity of a divorce and you've seen your parents go through it, you were the ones making sense of their two worlds while you lived in really one world you couldn't make sense of. You know, you think about it. If you don't do what I'm talking about and you're, you, you, you end up hurting your spouse, you hurt your relationship. You can keep the love fires burning. It's up to you. If you don't, you end up hurting your spouse. You end up hurting your relationship with God, with your spouse, with your kids, the list goes on. Or some people say, well, pastor, we just live together in misery. <laughs> That's not good. Reminds me of the guy that went to the graveyard. He went to the graveyard, he walked in the graveyard, and he could see this guy in the distance over, and he could hear him hollering. What? He was beating on the, on the ground in front of the tombstone. Why'd you have to die? Why'd you have to die? Why'd you have to die? He just kept on on the guy. The guy had compassion for him, so he walks over to the guy, and he goes over there, and the guy didn't see him. He lays on his shoulder and says, I'm sorry, sir, did your wife die? And he looked up and said, no, my wife's first husband. Why'd you have to die? Why'd you have to die? Why'd you... <laughs> The dude was living in misery, man. That's not good. Think about God. God is a God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, and us and everything, as we got to here from Adam and Eve, in six days and he rested. Well, think about the six-in-one recipe there. God is a God of the six-day work week, then he rested, just like us. We came to worship today to connect with him. God energizes our relationship with him, and we connect with God. We refocus on God. We're able to remember the things of the past week, and we reflect on the things of the past week. And almost like we proflect on the next week and where we're going to and what's happening. Well, that's how you need to think about dating your spouse. You get together with your spouse after a hard work week. You connect with your spouse. You reflect with your spouse. You refocus. You remember with each other. And so that's why you should try to date at least once a week or at least twice a month. Like people who say to me, a lot of times people say, Pastor, I, matter of fact, I got a message this week. And they said, man, I almost didn't come to church last week, Pastor, but I want to thank you because the message helped me and my family so much. How many of you have ever almost not made it, the devil threw everything in your way and gave you every excuse and you didn't come, but then when you did, you, God blessed you through that time together with God. Yes, that happens. That's just like it is with your spouse. You got to push through it. You got to do what you can do. Love has a power in your marriage and you got to remember the love that brought you together is the love that can keep you together. If you do the things you did at first throughout your marriage, it can happen. So today, what I want to do 
And you may have to look for these. They're in your seats. But I want you to look around. Everybody here in the hall auditorium, I want you to find this piece of paper. Some of you that you're sitting in an area where there's not someone inside you or something, but you might have to get one. I want all of you, and this is for singles too. Because this is how, uh, for singles, I want you to fill this out by how your family's playing out right now. So look for one of these. Go get this. Everyone, I want you to have one. This is very important. We're going to go over because you're going to take a balanced family test. And I'm going to give you time to be able to get one. Go get your balanced family test, okay? Because it's so important. I can sit here and talk about what we're doing and what we should be doing, but I want you to look, and this is going to tell what you really are doing, and then it's going to give you a barometer for what you need to do, okay? So let's take a look at the questions here. Now, you're going you're to grade this one through three. One is never, two is sometimes, and three is always. So here we go. Let's go through the questions together. Be sure to get you a pen. We're going to go through this together, okay? Here we go. Question number one, do you go on a date with your spouse at least twice a month? Is it one, two, or three? Never, sometimes, or always. Question number two, do you eat dinner as a family around the table at least three times per week. Now, I'm on, I want to park here for a second. We have seven nights a week, and I understand busy life. Been there, done that, got the trophy. But if you're not careful on your priority scheduling, things will get so chaotic between your career schedules and your kids' schedules that you can't even make it to the dinner table at night. Here's why the dinner table is so important. Listen to me closely. The dinner table is a place for mom and dad to sit down, especially when your kids get a little older, that you are investing in your kids around the dinner table. You're talking to them about their school life. You're talking to them about who their friends are. You're talking about them about their extracurricular activities, all those kind of things. And you're listening to them and understand who they are. It is a great time for the whole family to be connected. Does that make sense? Say yes. It's important. Question three. Do your children sleep in their own beds, not your bed, every night? Okay? That's important because you might not ever have any more kids if they do. Okay? But no, they need to sleep in their own beds or you're not going to have time to talk to your wife or talk to your husband about how'd your day go because they're just right there and they're squirming and all that kind of stuff and whatever. Just make sure that that's important. You need to have your sanctuary that you have your bed for you as mom and dad and husband and wife. Number four, do you and your spouse have TLC, touch, look, conversation on a daily basis? Now, guys, this, listen, guys, let me talk to the guys here. This is non-sexual, okay? This is, look what it says. It's TLC, touch, look, and conversation on a daily basis where you're connecting with your wife. Your wife doesn't, she needs non-sexual touches, okay? This is where you're disconnecting. How are you doing? That's what we're talking about. Do you do this? On a daily basis, never, sometimes, or always. Fifth question, do you get away for a weekend alone as a couple without your kids at least twice a year? That's important. It's important to get away. At least just get away because sometimes, man, you're, just, you're pouring out so much that you're empty. You need to go and get away and be filled up so you can be a better mom and a better dad. 
You say, well, we go with our parents. Well, that's, a, that's an obligation vacation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Some of you really don't like that. Now, I've went with mom and dad, and I've went with, with my, my in-laws, and it's fine. But I'm talking about a time that you go alone. You do it ever, sometimes, or, or always. Um, so, um, number six, do you have sexual intimacy with your spouse at least two times a day? I mean a week, I'm sorry, a week, a week, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave that alone. You can read the question number six, I'm not reading it again. Never, sometimes, or always. Number seven, do you and your spouse present a unified front when your children question your authority? Now here's where I'm going with this. Do not think that your kids aren't smart enough to divide and conquer the household to play mom and dad against each other. Been there and done that, and I got that trophy as well. Make sure you got a unified front. If mom says no, then it's no for dad. If dad says yes, it's yes with mom. But you've got to be communicating with one another in relationship with one another to understand how to have that unified coaching front, okay? Also, do you, number eight, do you have a set bedtime for your kids and teens that is consistently enforced? Important, important, important. I've covered that. Number nine, do you regularly evaluate your calendar to prevent ECAs, that is, over-scheduling extracurricular activities? Once again, with my kids, listen to me closely. With my kids, I had three daughters and there was two parents. I let them do one extracurricular activity each. Because that was still three occasions and three appointments and what we were doing is still two of us. We didn't let them get into two sports and, and two this and two that and all that because there was just two of us. You do what you want to do, but it worked out good for us and they understood. Give them a top priority and, and help them excel in that, whatever that may be. Very important. You get too many ECAs, you're going to have a chaotic household because you're going to be late to stuff and things like that. So the last question is this. Is weekly church attendance a priority for you and your children? Never, sometimes, or always. Some of you are thinking, you know, you know, I, I try to do what I can do, Pastor. You know, we have busy weeks. And, get to, and, and I understand everybody being busy. Everybody's busy sometimes. But I control my schedule just like you do. I can pull out my iCal right now just like you can. Or if you do a paper copy, whatever you do, paper copy. I knew when my kids were in my home and something, and I don't know, God just kind of put this on my heart. They wasn't going to be there that long, even though in the middle of it, it's hard. Man, you're, you're changing diapers, you're cleaning up messes, laundry gets deep, base, you've got baseball practice, cheerleading practice, you've got soccer practice. You got additional deals, you got a travel schedule, you got to fly to New York for this business deal. All of that, I get that. But I also knew that there was just going to be a span of time they were going to be with me. So the greatest thing I wanted to do with my kids, number one, is to fall in love with Jesus. That I prayed with them each day and I read the Word of God to them each day. I was in their life each day and talked to them about how that we dealt with things when things would hit our house or Shannon and I and where God was at in that things that we were praying about as a family 
I also taught them to fall in love with the local church. See, my kids, the time that they were in our home, they never came to me and says, Dad, are we going to church today? Because they had a love for the Lord that we tried to give them in their life of how that we love the Lord. That they never asked the question. As a matter of fact, what they did, they would count down the days. How many more days till we get to go? Now, did we have issues with our kids where they messed up? Absolutely. We're all fallible human beings. But today, they serve the Lord in different ministry capacities and things like that, and they're raising their kids the way that we raise them, trying to help them fall in love with Jesus. Because wouldn't it be a bitter regret in our lives if we just gave them a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of church attendance, and then they went out on their own and they didn't have any of a relationship with Jesus or any of a relationship with the church that was to help the family and build the churches to build on what you're already doing and helping to teach you to do in your homes I'm hoping I'm building on that for you and your family it's critical so I asked you this question how many of you want your kids to depend on God when they leave your household raise your hand no, you do, and I believe that about you. So important. So important. So today, the love that brings you together in a relationship is a love that can keep you together as long as you put it into action what you did to get with each other. And listen to me, husbands, very closely. If you'll do the things we've talked about and you will be a husband that will love your wife, serve your wife, protect your wife, honor your wife, and live those things out, I tell you what, it will be so attractive to your wife that she's not going to go anywhere as long as she's looking to God and looking to you as being the pastor of your home. See, husbands, you're the pastor of your home. I'm the pastor of church. You're the pastor of your home. I'm the pastor of my home. See, if the enemy's coming at your marriage or your home or your kids, it's because you let him. Don't let him. He has no right. Satan hates you, and, he, and you, know how, you know how Satan gets at God? He gets at you and me, because he knows we can have a relationship with God. So if he gets at you, he's getting at God. So when he's getting at us, and he's trying to steal, Satan tries to steal, kill, and destroy, he's going to try to hit your marriage. He's going to try to hit your kids. He's going to try to hit your family. He has no right to, because listen to me, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is the same power that you get to access and you can take Satan out and say, get out of my home, Satan. You're not welcome here. This is a home that serves Jesus Christ and I'm going to raise my family in the ways of the Lord. I'm going to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. Get out from me, Satan. You're not welcome in my home. Satan has no rights but the rights that you give him. This is an opportunity for God to help bring balance and priority to your family and there's amazing benefits in that for your marriage and your kids because when we're reflecting on Christ's relationship of the local church understand that, that we're the bride of Christ Jesus is the groom and Jesus came and proved his love for us by dying for each of us in our lives reflecting on that we are the bride of Christ but yet we're a bunch of foul ups so we love each other even when we mess up in your relationships 
we love our spouse even sometimes they're hard to love can I get a witness you know what else we do we forgive we forgive we forgive we don't hang on to things back here our future is right here in front of us men think about your bride right now those of you that are married here or those of you if you're a single male a man think about the bride that you're going to have your job is to love her is to lead her provide for her protect her as your wife protect her as a mom of your children protect your family that's what Jesus did for his bride the church and that's what we're to do for our brides in our homes in our families with God's help God's way and God's will so I ask you today are you out of balance in your home bruised broken maybe today is the day of change and I believe that or you wouldn't be here stand with me as we pray Heavenly Father we praise you today and we thank you God for this blessed opportunity God to be able to be here thank you God for the opportunity God to be able to give you honor and praise to try to live and have our families balanced in a way that honors you but yet solidifies what we need to do in our families to keep it together and to keep Satan's tactics away from us to be able to be able to keep God their attention in the right places to schedule right God and to be able to do those things with our kids to keep them systematic in their schoolwork and homework and and bedtime and but yet not lose sight of each other in our relationship that brought us together so God right now I pray that you will give every family the power they need God as they commit and surrender to your way and will for their marriage and for their kids. As we continue to pray right now, how many of you know you need to make some changes? Everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed. You're just looking into your life. How many of you know that you need to make some changes in your marriage and in your family? Would you lift your hand real high right now? Lift your hand just real high. God bless you. Hands going up everywhere. I want to pray with you and pray for you and when I say pray with you take your spouse's hand if they're with you and say and pray about the things you know you need to change Father right now God as these wonderful people are praying God I pray God that you would give them the strength the energy the power and the surrender God to make the changes that they need to in their lives I pray Father right now God that if they need to look at each other and say I'm sorry please forgive me that's something's going to be practiced, God. I pray, God, for balance in whatever it is with their careers and with their extracurricular activities and whatever it may be. Bless them, God, in this endeavor for changes to be made to be able to reflect who you are, bring you glory, and advance your kingdom through the local family. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You cannot be the husband you need to be as we continue to pray. You can't be the husband you need to be unless you have Jesus in your heart. You cannot be the father you need to be unless you have Jesus in your heart. You don't will never access the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't be the wife nor the mom without Jesus in your heart. You can't be the future mom or dad or husband or wife without Jesus in your heart. You don't have the strength. You don't have the power. So maybe that's why you're here today. You've never received Jesus as the Lord of your life. So what I want to do right now 
I want to be able to pray with you and pray for you, but it's your prayer that makes a difference. Make an altar in your heart and life right where you're at. Here's what I want you to understand. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died on a cross, shed his life's blood for you and for me a long time ago. He rose again and was a perfect sacrifice for our forgiveness of sins. It's something you can't earn, can't work for it. It's by grace through faith you're saved. So if you'll call on him today and you pray, I will guide you, but it's your prayer that makes the difference. Heavenly Father, just tell him, say, Heavenly Father, no one prays alone. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Forgive me. Transform me. I don't want to do life my way any longer. I'm yours. Just tell God right now, I surrender my whole life to you. Forgive me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. that and you meant that and you said that prayer you just caused a party in heaven angels are rejoicing you've had your name written in the book of life now thank him for that what you just prayed and he will give you the power and the presence of his holy spirit to lead you from this day forward and if you prayed that prayer please come and see me at next steps across from the coffee house let me know that you prayed that prayer i want to meet you in person uh, and, and talk about your next steps Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for this life. Blessed us so much. Made us in your image. May we reflect your image in our families, in our marriages, with our kids, to be able to bring you glory and advance your kingdom. We pray, God, for balance of every family here. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. All right, let's give him glory today. All right, church.